This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. If you've got a thirst for knowledge that never quits, Brightside Podcasts are just what you need. Whether you're into recent discoveries, space exploration, true stories, or useful tips for self-improvement, psychology, gadgets, or just your day-to-day routine, there's something for everyone. Most of Europe's skyscrapers are concentrated in five cities. Those are London, Frankfurt, Paris, Moscow, and Istanbul. But even combined, all these places have fewer skyscrapers than New York City alone. For a building to be considered a modern skyscraper, it has to be about 490 feet high, which means it should have at least 40 to 50 stories. A story is simply one floor of a building with an average of 14 feet from floor to ceiling. If you had visited the U.S. just before the 1870s, you'd have found only one skyscraper. The home insurance business in Chicago was the world's first high-rise building with 10 floors. Wow! In Europe, the first skyscrapers appeared in Moscow. They were called the Seven Sisters, but they were built only in the mid-1900s. North America started to construct more and more high-rise buildings. It happened because cities were getting too populated. Every piece of land was too valuable. New York's skyline is so famous, you'd probably recognize it even if you've never been to this city before. It's the same for Paris. But could you imagine the Eiffel Tower, surrounded or even blocked by skyscrapers? It would surely lose some of its magic. La Défense District is where you'll find skyscrapers in Paris. This way, they don't interfere with the romantic and tourist. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold, the rage of the earth, we made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Scenery of the city. In London, things are done a bit differently. Some of its skyscrapers have unusual shapes. One of such constructions is the gherkin. If you get stuck in this building, you'd really be in a pickle. Another interestingly shaped skyscraper is the shard. There's one more nicknamed the cheese grater. These are not their official names, of course, but they do make sense if you look at the shape of these buildings. But it's not some random architectural concept. The reason the skyscrapers are shaped like this is not to obscure St. Paul's Cathedral. By the way, the top of this monumental construction is visible even from King Henry VIII's mound, and that's a great distance away. Anyway, there are also other sites, like the Tower of London and the Palace of Westminster. They have their own viewpoints. So, not to ruin London's skyline, it's not allowed to build anything that would block these monuments. 
Most European cities already existed when the U.S. started to build its first skyscrapers. That's why they didn't have much space to fit in giant buildings. Evenly zoned cities were the result of their steady growth throughout the years. For example, in Lisbon, there's a viewpoint in Eduardo Setmo Park. From that point, you can see all the park and the river. If suddenly there was a bunch of 490-foot-tall buildings standing around, this gorgeous view would be totally ruined. You wouldn't see the iconic avenue and forget the river. Instead, there are buildings. Like Lisbon, many other cities in Europe don't want skyscrapers to spoil their cultural heritage. Take Germany. Most of their skyscrapers are in Frankfurt. In other cities, they'd rather protect and restore the buildings that are already standing. And even if, let's say, Berlin wanted to home some skyscrapers, it wouldn't be able to do it in any case. Its soil just wouldn't allow it. Put a skyscraper there, and it'll sink. Constructing a foundation for a very tall building in Berlin would mean investing a lot of money. The soil's too sandy and soft. But what if you ignored all the cultural heritage and still decided to fill a European city, like Prague, with skyscrapers? First, you'd have to demolish a lot of what already exists there. This would lead to an angry crowd of people complaining that the city they know and love is gone. Brussels has experienced this to a certain extent. There's even a term for this phenomenon, Brusselization. Simply put, it means not caring where you place new high-rise buildings. Here is fine. Oh, sprout one over there, too. Hey, we could call them Brussels sprouts. Or not. But in most cases, city authorities don't want new constructions to change the historical appearance of the place. Some large European cities might even follow France's example and choose a separate district, a place just for skyscrapers. The Burj Khalifa, which is more than 2,700 feet high, is the tallest building in the world. It wasn't an easy feat to construct it. The skyscraper took six years to build, and folks say it was worth the effort. The construction is so tall, you can see it from 60 miles away on a clear day. The tallest building in Europe is only half that size. The Lochte Center in St. Petersburg is a bit more than 1,500 feet tall. Well, the question is, if skyscrapers are so tall, why don't they get knocked over by wind? Their structure, from the very foundation to the highest point of the building, is the answer. Take the Burj Khalifa, please. The soil where the skyscraper is built isn't ideal. So, beneath the 110,000-ton concrete foundation of this massive construction, there are 192 piles driven to a depth of more than 160 feet. Thanks to the friction between the concrete and soil, these piles don't move at all, creating a solid foundation. But most skyscrapers are built on bedrock because it barely shifts. Their frames are made of steel. If you looked at a skyscraper without its external structure, woo, all you'd see would be a bunch of steel beams. The taller the building, the more the winds affect it. Taming them is one of the biggest challenges skyscrapers have to tackle. Imagine you're on one of the top floors of a skyscraper. Suddenly, a strong gust of wind hits the building. The entire construction starts wobbling, and you can feel it even inside. You might even get knocked over if you don't grab onto something. To avoid such a situation, most skyscrapers have a pendulum-like structure inside. It absorbs some of the wind's force. This thing is called a tuned mass damper. The mechanism acts as a counterweight. When the skyscraper gets hit by the wind, it's the tuned mass damper that moves instead of the building. Some high-rise constructions don't need this pendulum. The Shard, for example, deals with the wind with the help of its tapered shape, and Shanghai Tower uses its 120-degree twist. Both skyscrapers have incredibly smart structures. That's why they don't get too wobbly when the wind hits them. 
The Shard doesn't have a tuned mass damper whatsoever, and the one in Shanghai Tower only serves as a tourist attraction. Before a building's design is finalized, it normally undergoes a wind tunnel test. A model city is built and tested with this new super-tall addition. When the experts turn the wind on, it simulates real-life conditions. Let's say the model skyscraper breaks under the wind's pressure during the test. Then the chances are it's going to tumble over in real life, too. Winds up there can be so strong that things like wind turbines have become a thing. The Bahrain World Center has three of them right in the middle of the building. But there are some others. Strata SE1, for example, has wind turbines at the top. There's a phenomenon called the downdraft effect. It's accelerated winds near the skyscraper. When a powerful gust of wind hits a high-rise building, it gets pushed upward around the sides of the construction and down toward the street. That's why if you're passing by a particularly tall building on a windy day, you might have to force your way around. But let's say several square-cornered skyscrapers are built next to each other. Then they're likely to channel the wind through the streets. This can create many hurricanes on especially windy days. A study once examined 100 tallest buildings that were about to be dismantled by their owners. It turned out most of them had an average lifespan of a mere 42 years. But some of them can last much longer. For example, the Temple Court building is still standing to this day. At 150 feet, it's a bit smaller than others. But it's already seen 100 winters throughout its life. Now, the first thing that comes to mind when you think of getting rid of a building is dust, debris, and deafening noise. (coughs) But things aren't quite as dramatic as that for most skyscrapers. When you want it gone, you take it apart, bit by bit. This process starts from the top and goes all the way down to the bottom. Voila! The building is slowly disappearing in front of your eyes. Abracadabra!